You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. From outside the Colts Blue Zone Podcast studio inside the Fox 59 CBS 4 offices, this is, as I just said, the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. I'm Dave Griffiths, joined by Joe Hopkins and Mike Chappell. And uh, guys, it is Houston Texans week. Another game in the AFC South for the shoe. We'll preview that divisional battle coming up. Also, detail keys to the game, make some predictions at the end. But starting with some news, and there are some significant news for the Colts this week um, that uh, Frank Reich let us all know of on Monday. That was the Colts punter, Rigoberto Sanchez. Well, Tuesday, rather, that uh, Sanchez announced that uh, he was going to have surgery to remove a cancerous tumor. And uh, he now, he, well, he announced Tuesday that the surgery went well. Um, I think the announcement came Monday that he had it or earlier this week, maybe Sunday. I, I, I'm, my days are mixing together this week for whatever reason. So let's, let, let's skip past that and just get to the point that Rigoberto says that his surgery went well. Frank Reich says he's at home resting. Not sure if he's going to come back later this year. But, uh, Mike, I'll start with you. A, obviously, our thoughts and prayers with Rigo as he's uh, recovering from this. Uh, obviously, he's a guy who's been a big weapon for the Colts that sometimes can get overlooked. But uh, that that kind of gets put on the back burner right now when uh, when somebody has a cancer diagnosis, you know. Yeah, your initial reaction has got to be is, well, I hope things turn out okay, And everything we've heard surgery. I mean, Rigo tweeted out or uh, yeah, tweeted out that surgery went well. And, you know, he's he's hoping for a recover a quick recovery. And and uh, that's where that's where your thoughts are. I mean, all of a sudden football, like Frank said on Monday, is. It puts things into perspective. Uh, and, and the one thing that's encouraging, I think, is that they've not put him on one of the reserve lists, you know, non-football injury or whatever. Uh, so so I, they're giving every indication that he may be back sooner, not later. Uh, and, and the fact that they signed, you know, Ryan Allen to the practice squad, uh, that's something, again, it's, you can elevate practice squad players on game day. So I think they're given every, every hint indication that he'll be back before this season's over, which is, which is great for him and good for the team. And, and Joe, we'll, we'll, we'll add to that saying that, heck, he was on the field on Sunday, like after he heard about this diagnosis and uh, then got, uh, got the surgery earlier this week. So he's out there Sunday, even though he's not doing kickoffs, your boy hot rods out there doing the kickoffs instead that led to mass speculation, like what's going on. But, ne- but nevertheless, I think that like Rigo was also already, I-, I think he was very much appreciated by Colts fans and Colts nation. But after like you're on the field after a cancer diagnosis, you're still kicking, you're still punting out there. That, that That's got to even go even further to, to letting uh, the people out there, really love you and appreciate your contribution to this team that they care so much about. Oh yeah. If there was a, if there was a heart, pure heart rating on Madden, it'd be at a hundred because this yeah, guy's buddy. out there kicking in an NFL game, knowing that he has a cancerous tumor in his body. I mean, what more is there to say? That's pretty amazing. If you ask me. Well, and, on top uh, yeah. of that, it wasn't, it wasn't just a diagnosis. He was in pain, mm-hmm. discomfort. They, they said that he, the reason he didn't kick off is because it, accentuated what whatever was bothering him so he went out there and, and was performing in in discomfort slash pain which again it just elevates the level of of who he is and what what he his accountability to the team at in a very difficult time 
And as I mentioned, for those of us um, Colts fans, um, all of our thoughts are with Rigo. For those of us who who do pray, our our prayers are with him as well. But I hope all of us, uh, we hope to see him back on the field this year, which would be amazing. And as Mike points out, uh, perhaps some of the moves the Colts are making are uh, are hinting that 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 is not entirely out of the possibility this year. So I hope to see him back on the field very soon, and that would be uh, stinking awesome. But uh, also in the Colts special teams, kicker Rodrigo Blankenship. Of course, Joe includes this in our rundown. Leads AFC kickers in Pro Bowl voting. Yeah, you knew, Joe, Joe, we knew you wouldn't leave leave this alone, but there he is. Congratulations on top for now. Oh, yeah. I mean, another offseason kicking prediction I've got. So um, in, from the, the list that came out, I think it was just each player who kind of led his position in voting, not the entire list of Pro Bowl voting, as far as I believe, but I didn't see any other Colts on the list aside for Blankenship. So uh, if you're listening to the podcast, go out there, vote for some of the Colts having great seasons like Buckner and Leonard and uh, other deserving players like Costanzo and Kelly on the O-line. Yeah, the, Mike, the, the fan vote matters in uh, in the Pro Bowl voting. So, again, we'll, we'll echo that. If you're a Colts fan, you want to see your Colts um, uh, selected to the Pro Bowl. I don't know what the NFL is doing this year with the Pro Bowl. I'm not exactly sure if they're playing a Pro Bowl just because – Yeah, jo- Joe, do you know off the top of your head if they are or not? It's like some kind of weird virtual – I don't think they're playing the game. Um, okay. I almost it's still don't an honor, they're like though, either playing way. Madden instead or something. Nice. Virtual. I'm looking it up right now. Okay, yeah, we've got a big Madden game going with all these players. But, uh, I mean, Mike, before this season, there was certainly some debate whether Hot Rod would make the team. Joe was right, and uh, congrats to Joe. Chase McLaughlin is uh, is elsewhere. I think he's actually on the COVID-19 list with the Jaguars right now, if I'm not mistaken. I thought he was activated off of it. but Okay, great. Awesome. If he's off of it, that's great. But, um, like, like I said, I mean, preseason, we weren't even sure if he would be on the team. But, hey, he, if he's leading the uh, – the AFC uh, fan voting in Pro Bowl, he's certainly doing some something right. Admit some missed kicks here and there, but sir, it's not the same level that we saw in the kicking game last year. So, I mean, uh, even with with Rodrigo's misses, you still have a, a, a heck of a season that has uh, been deserving and worthy of, of some recognition. Yeah, he's, he's 26, 23 of 26 field goals, and the last one he missed was that 50-yarder that he sort of scuffed the ground. I mean, he's got plenty of distance, but he hits the crossbar, and he's 27 of 29 on extra points, 96 points. I think he's tied for seventh in the league. So he's done. He's been everything they've needed him to be. Replacing, you know, the goat. So, so and that's that's you. You can't dismiss the pressure of of having to replace Vinatieri. It's enormous, and he's handled it thus far pretty well. Joe, you uh, you looked up what they're doing for the Pro Bowl this year. Yeah, they're they're basically having a virtual Madden game with the players who are elected. So I can tell you right now, I won't be tuning into that one. Do you think you will be betting on that game, however, Joe? I'm <laughs> sure that FanDuel will have a line and all this. Like, I would, I will love to see the betting for this like virtual Pro Bowl, right? No, I'm actually <laughs> kind of cold after I lost. I put some money on the Chargers to beat the Bills, and that game ended in a very frustrating fashion as someone who had money on the Chargers. You know, last year, I'll, I'll, like I was kind of on the betting train last year. Uh, this year, at some point, the uh, the certain sum of money that I that I put into my account ran out, so I'm not putting anything more in right now. I'm trying to be uh, trying to be uh, prudent. 
with uh, my – it wasn't a big sum that I put in by any stretch. But I, like, I, like I said, I ran out, so I'm like I'm going to hold off for a bit. But the two teams that I – after the first like four weeks of last season that I'm like I'm not betting on these guys again. They're the Chargers and they're the Vikings because yeah. like they, they just frustrate the heck out of you. With the Vikings, they're, they, they have so much talent out there, especially last year with both Diggs and um, – oh, who's their uh, – and Thielen and the Chargers when they had Rivers last year. Like you, you thought they were going to be better than they were. At least I thought they were going to be better than they were all the time. And then when I got frustrated and I bet against them, then all of a sudden they'd, they'd live up to their potential. Like those are the two teams that I'm like, ah, like something stirs inside me, Joe, on the inside that I just can't. Even if I go back to betting, I'm not going to be able to bet on either of those two anymore. I just can't do it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it's funny you say that because me and my buddy on uh, Saturday, we're kind of having an argument about Philip Rivers. And we came to the conclusion that, isn't Kirk Cousins, doesn't he just kind of seem like a younger version of Philip Rivers to you? That's a good good point. I think Kirk has a stronger arm than than Rivers does, and he's certainly more mobile than Rivers is. So like those are just the first two things that popped into my mind. But like attitude wise, absolutely, hundred percent. I, I think you know, like what's what's in between the ears is, is very similar. They're both very smart quarterbacks. They're both highly competitive guys. And uh, I think maybe Rivers is a little bit more like on the field trash talking than uh, than Cousins. But, of course, he's famous for the you like that in the uh, <laughs> in the back battles of the stadium after a nice win with the Redskins a couple of years ago. Well, the Washington football team now a couple of years ago. But 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 I can see that comparison, Joe. They just both seem like really solid, uh, good quarterbacks who have all these expectations and never quite lived up to, you know, the what was hoped of them. Um, I know Rivers probably has a lot more in his career than Kirk Cousins does. I don't mean to disrespect him, but, you know, all those good Chargers teams, and a lot of the time they were missing the playoffs and not getting as far as teams that people had hoped they would. So I just thought that comparison between Cousins and Rivers as far as their careers go, maybe not quite, you know, different attributes physically, but I thought that was kind of similar. Sorry to bring us down that rabbit hole there. Ah, there it is. Yes, that, that's oh. you. That's on you. <laughs> I'll give you another quarterback. I'll give you a quarterback I would compare more favorably with with Rivers, Matthew Stafford. Uh, he's going to end up having the the great great numbers. I mean the five thousand yards and all that. And and Stafford's not even Philip Rivers because because what, what he's not being able to do in the playoffs. But uh, it's one of those quarterbacks where they're just about good enough to get you where you want to go, but not quite good enough. So uh, the Colts are kind of hoping that he's just good enough this year. And thus far, he's been sort of good enough, but not good enough in a couple of games. Well, that's an interesting name that we might be talking about this offseason if the Lions cut ties with Stafford, which has been rumored now. So we'll, we'll hold off on that conversation. We might yeah, be having say, that later. Yeah, I, I'm not going to believe that until it actually happens, because who, who knows? But the Lions, like with the new coach and GM after this year, they they food for, for a fire sale and just uh, strip it bare and see what they can do, building something from scratch. That would be interesting. Um, and I think Stafford has a couple good years left in. We will see. Even after this year, like with what Rivers has done, like right now, if you put gun to my head, I would say he's probably coming back for another year. And just based on unless he gets a, a serious injury sometime down the stretch, he's like, no, nah, I'm not coming back. But he showed that he still has a little bit of gas left in the tank, in my opinion. So 
Uh, that I, I'm going to stop the rabbit trail there. We got to get back to the, <laughs> to, to the to the podcast because you know I'm going to go on like three more between now and the end. So nevertheless, continuing our news around the NFL this week, Commissioner Roger Goodell was on a conference call Wednesday. And uh, he was talking about just the status of the league in terms of uh, playing through the COVID-19 pandemic. He said it will take partnership and discipline to complete this season. I'm confident we'll be able to do it. And then talking about the postseason, the questions brought up, um, will the NFL consider using a bubble atmosphere in the postseason? Like worked perfectly for the NBA and worked perfectly for the NHL to finish off their season and postseason. Um, Goodell said, we don't see a bubble as most refer to it in one location. We feel strongly our protocols are working. We're willing to adjust and adapt those protocols, take additional steps, but I don't see us doing the bubble in the sense that the media focuses on it. So Mike, Mike, I'll ask you, what what do you think about that response? Because uh, Goodell says that they feel like their protocols are working, but at the same time, we just saw a game played on Wednesday of this week. And, and if that if something like that happens in the postseason like that, that to me is something that's that 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 could not happen in a postseason atmosphere because you're forced a team to play on Wednesday. And then, hey, the game's coming up next Saturday, Sunday. You, you can't play games in the NFL in that quick succession. It would be a completely unfair advantage to the opposing team the next week. So 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 what did you what did you make of Roger Goodell's statement here? They're, they're going to play these game, games come hell or high water. Yeah. Uh, you you wonder what what's what's your stress level on on canceling a game? If it's not Pittsburgh, Baltimore, then what is it? Uh, they already made Denver play, which I said, you know, the the Denver game the Sunday before with with no quarterbacks on the roster other than your wide receiver who played what some quarterback in college. I still I, I still wonder why they didn't push that game back to Monday because I think. Then one of those quarterbacks could have played, but they've shown us this this week showed us that to take to cancel a, a game and to have a week eighteen. If this isn't the threshold, then what is? Yeah. And and, and I don't know how you do a bubble, but I, Joe and I talked about this. I still don't understand why for the for the last two months of the season you just don't get a hotel. You go down to the Marriott. You go down to wherever. And you, you you rent out the hotel. I mean, I'm sure they're having trouble with, with filling these places anyway. Get a hotel for two months. And would it be a great sacrifice for players to where they're not with their families? Yeah, it is. But this is a billion-dollar industry. And for two months, forget the expense. The NFL wouldn't care about the expense. Yeah. The sacrifice would be, again, being away from your families. But failing that, you're still having players. You're still having Philip Rivers going home to nine kids and his wife. You know, Jonathan Taylor going, going home to his girlfriend who went out of town and tested positive. So I don't I, I don't know what the downside is other than a massive inconvenience to having teams for the last six or seven weeks of the season. Put them in a hotel and you can really, really control who they're in contact with. And Mike, I, I don't want I don't want people to put words in your mouth. I just want to be be clear when you're when you're talking about like Jonathan Taylor, his girlfriend goes out of town, and she tests positive. Like you're, you're not blaming Jonathan Taylor or his girlfriend. You're just you're just pointing out that yeah, this is like this is a serious thing. This is something that can happen. That if you don't have a specific bubble atmosphere, that 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 this is a certain possibility that that could really throw a monkey wrench into plans, right? Yeah, failing being in a bubble like the NBA. 
you're going to have players interacting with people who are interacting in the community. So when you've got this pandemic raging everywhere to think that this isn't going to go on, you're, you're crazy. So uh, again, I, I don't see any, any groundswell to have this where you're really putting players in a hotel. Uh, we talked about why they didn't do so other than I think the NFLPA was against it. But the only way you can really lower the risk of players being in contact with people is don't have them in contact with people. So, uh, yeah, that's another message on my phone. I need to. I, I love what? I love when that sound comes up because I know it's Mike Chappell getting <laughs> breaking news to his cell phone. It's like having a bell on your cat. You always know where they are. But, uh, <laughs> but, but again, this week showed us it's going to take something really, really, really serious to not have games played. Joe, I, for one, would love to have uh, to be a, a fly on the wall, so to speak, inside like the JW Marriott as the Colts take over the JW and just see uh, see how it looks after after a couple weeks of uh, only the Indianapolis Colts inside this downtown hotel. Oh, yeah. Get a job as a bellboy and have the inside scoop on the Indianapolis Colts. <laughs> he, they would be like the a- Adam Schefter's new uh, new favorite contact right there. The bellboy at all these hotels across the country, you know? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. I'll give you the info, Adam. But what are you going to give me? <laughs> hey, amen to that. On Monday, after uh, we finished recording, after Joe and Mike finished recording their uh, their Monday update here on the Colts Blue Zone podcast, uh, we learned that the Texans wide receiver Will Fuller and cornerback Bradley Roby will both be suspended six games for PED violations. So, Mike, obviously, that is a significant blow to the Texans, who have won three of their last four games. Like, those two players, Fuller, their top wide receiver, whose stats are among the best in the NFL, and Bradley Roby, their top cornerback, if you lose two guys like that on the outside— there, there will be an impact. There's no doubt about it. And the Colts are going to be the first team, Mike, to to get the uh, to see, quote unquote, the benefits, I guess, of playing the Titans if uh, these two players, since these two players are suspended. Yeah, it, 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 it's totally different reasons. But this past game, the culture without DeForest Buckner and Denico Autry, how the defense play? Man. So, yeah, uh, Fuller, 53 catches, 879 and eight. So don't tell me that, that you don't miss that. You, Yes, you have depth. Yes, somebody takes his place, but that's huge. And then Roby's got one of their one of their three interceptions in the season. So this wasn't a great secondary to start with. And uh, it's it, it's yeah, they're going to benefit. And yes, you should be. Maybe Ty finally goes off. We sort of saw snip last week, but uh, this only benefits the Colts. Hey Joe, if uh, if there's any game that Ty Hilton finally goes off. It's going to be against the Texans, it, uh, as Mike brings up, and I will continue. Ty's stats against Houston are ridiculous over his career since coming into the league in 2012. As everyone knows, I think last year was a little bit of a down year, honestly, for him against the Texans. Last year, he had a one game, six catches, 74 yards, and a touchdown, which is still a very fine game. You'd love second, that right now, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, I would love that from Ty. And his second game, three catches for 18 yards. That's more of what we've seen this year from T.Y. Um, even though he had a really good game last week. And honestly, I think he's had a couple pretty good games in a row. He's just not getting the same the same output that he's had in the past. But anyway, like my point is, <clears throat> excuse me, including the playoffs in T.Y. 
17 games. So basically one NFL season plus one game, 17 games. He has caught 90 passes, which would be a great year in the NFL, 1,622 yards, a great year in the NFL, and 10 touchdowns. Again, a great year for an NFL receiver. So against the Texans, Joe, T.Y. Hilton has had has made a career playing these guys and beating these guys and scoring against these guys and gaining yards against these guys. So to hear Bradley Roby is uh, is been suspended for PED use. That's got to be music to Colts fans ears, to Colts coaches ears, to T.Y. Hilton's ears, to Philip Rivers ears. I don't mean to downplay the situation from Roby PEDs are a serious accusation, but at the same time, if you're on on this side of the line of scrimmage, boy, you got to be really happy hearing that their top cornerback is out for this game, even if they had like as Mike said, it hasn't been the best secondary this year in the first place. Oh yeah, I mean that that's uh we'll get to this a little later, but that's one of my keys to the game is can T.Y. Hilton clown the Texans again for old times' sake? Clown, um, yes. And I I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that last year when he had the 18-yard game against the Texans, that's the one where they kind of brought him back for injury as a decoy. Yeah, I, think I think that was so. a Thursday night game, and then he Probably. missed a couple games after that, too. But, yeah, if they could get him going again, I think he had the season-high 81, 80-something yards last week. Uh, finally got in the end zone. Short was in garbage time, but at this point I'll take it. And hopefully he can get it going. If they can get him and Pittman Jr. going at the same time, I think this passing offense will kind of reach another level with two wide receivers that the defense now has to be very concerned about. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And then, Mike, on the other side of the ball, on the um, on the Texans offensive standpoint, you, you can't underestimate what Will Fuller has done to that passing attack because I think he's top 10 in the NFL in both yards and touchdowns. Um, and in spite of the Texans record, which has not been impressive this year, I think they're four and seven on the season, uh, Fuller and, um, and Deshaun Watson, their quarterback, we'll get to this in a little bit too. I mean, they've been pretty productive and, uh, Watson is one of the best rated quarterbacks in the NFL, mostly because he's got Fuller there as a deep threat and more than a deep threat. He's established himself this year as a really good one, number one wide receiver. And if the Texans don't have their number one wide receiver in Will Fuller, they're going to have to, again, just, just kind of go down the um, down the pecking order there. And if their number one guy's out, somebody else is going to have to step up. Yeah, Brandon Cooks is going to be, what, busy on on, on Sunday. And this, and this is a, the Colts defense, pass defense, that has got to get Rocky Singh going. You know, they, they've got to get him out of this funk. He's in the last couple of games. Xavier Rhodes is playing really at a Pro Bowl level. But uh, th- this is one where, you, again, it, going to impact what they do. It just is. They were, you know, the, the, this is so, so often they were a decent offensive team with uh, Fuller, but without it, it, it's, I always kind of go back to when, when a t- other team has somebody out, how does that, if that's the Colts, how do, how do they deal with it? So in, in, in before he kind of hit this funk, how, how, are the, how were the Colts without T.Y. Hilton? Not very good. So uh, again, it's how a team reacts. And I think this is going to be a game where it's going to be so much more on how the Colts play, how they react, as opposed to what Houston does. And, you, you br- yeah, go ahead, Joe. Go ahead. I was going to say, and there, I mean, there's never a good time to lose your top receiver, but this comes at a terrible time for Houston, who just last week waived Kenny Stills. Um, you know, I, I wonder if they might regret that now, now that Fuller's out. And then uh, they're... Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb's on IR right now, too. So their other healthy receivers are like, 
Uh, you already mentioned Brandon Cooks, Kiki Cootie, um, who's a quick guy, good slot guy. And then he's actually had a couple good games against the Colts in his career playing for the Jaguars. To be fair, to be fair to Kiki Cootie, yes, he has. But I'm continue. not trying to throw any disrespect, Kiki Cootie. <laughs> Um, and then Isaiah Coulter, a rookie fifth round pick. So not not a whole lot for Watson to throw to, especially compared to what he had last season. I'm, I'm going to piggyback off something Mike said just about getting Rocky Seaton going. And I'm going to shout out Jim Aiello of the Indy Star um, on Twitter at Jim Aiello. He pointed out uh, just today, earlier today, saying penalties aren't Rocky Seaton's only problem right now. He says opposing quarterbacks have targeted uh, Xavier Rhodes 54 times, and then Rocky Seen 51 times this year. On the completion percentage to Xavier Rhodes, it's only 46%. To Rocky Seen, it's nearly 69%. So that is a difference of 23% completion percentage. Xavier is having a much better season, obviously. And Mike, just to continue your thought, I mean, that's, it's, it's something that obviously opposing defenses, opposing offensive coordinators have seen, and they are exploiting. From the past two weeks, we've seen it. Aaron Rodgers and Ryan Tannehill both going very aggressively at Rock Cassin, forcing some penalties, getting some completions. And, and speaking to Rock Cassin, he he knows it. He just got to step up now. And there's a point that like Colts coaches say that he's a tough dude, and that's awesome. You love to have tough guys on your team. At some point, toughness has to convert to quality. It has to convert to results. It has to convert to incompletions and interceptions if you're a cornerback. So Rock knows that he is under fire right now. We have to see, Mike, if he steps up in this game and for the rest of the season because right now there is a target on his back. Yeah, and he and he knows that got a reputation of being grabby and handsy. You're probably going to get more penalties than, than maybe you should. But we we were asking us on on Tuesday. Well, you know, did, it looks like you guys benched Yassine because after that one series where he had the remember the hands of the face, he had been he had been beaten on the touchdown and then hands of the face that wiped out a sack and all this. They they put T.J.A. Carey in and their response was, well, we were going to rotate these guys. Well, they haven't been rotating them. They, you know, it had been Yassine and then T.J. Carey kind of went in. It, 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 you know, a nickel and dime situation. So, and we asked Philip Rivers about, you know, when you're a quarterback and you see a corner, a corner struggling, don't you kind of go after him? And he, he's sort of him hall, but he said, yeah, he said, you want to, you know, get at their confidence right away and, and see if they're going to struggle that game. So in, until he steps up and proves he's got his act together, quarterbacks are going to target him. They just are. It, it was a very, uh, very diplomatic response from Rivers, Mike, as, uh, yeah. as many of them are. Like he, he was he, he knew what people were talking about and uh, was just very, very um, after however many years, 17 years or so in the NFL. Like he, he, he knows how to answer questions from the media. That's what I took from that response. But at the same time, like we, we got just enough to know that. Like he's like, yeah, I, 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 the um, reading between the lines is. Like you're gonna test those guys, and and Joe, I, I would be very very surprised if who whichever wide receivers are out there for the Houston Texans, if they are not uh, attacking Rocky Seen in the first and second quarter just to see what's this guy got this week. Yeah, Rock's a guy who coming into the season, I really thought he would step up and take that next level, and he's had some good games this year. He's had some off games. It kind of seems like consistency 
is what he's struggling with at this point. And he's in the mid, uh, mid of a funk, as Mike puts it. But, I mean, if there's ever a few games to get it together, it's now. Because he's not facing a A.J. Brown or Devontae Adams this week. Um, he's facing a Texans defense who, aside from Brandon Cooks, who's not what he used to be either, you know, this is kind of a game where I think we're, you think can get some of that confidence back. And, and, and I want to be completely, I want to try to be unbiased about Rockus scene. He had an incredible interception against the Green Bay Packers a couple weeks ago. Great diving play where he caught up to the ball. It was underthrown by Rodgers, but hey, he took advantage. It was a, it was a fantastic play. I really respect Rock a ton because I look back to last year and that game against the Denver Broncos when Cortland Sutton just ate him for lunch, to be perfectly honest, with all the penalties he, he earned against him, deservingly so. Rock stood in front of my camera and answered every question that I asked him. And he was not bitter. He was not angry. He was not um, not not anything mad at me when I was asking him this. Like He stood in the fire and took the heat. And I like this year, just things are a little bit different because of COVID-19. We're not in the locker room after these games. We're not talking to every single guy that we can get our hands on. So like, I anticipate he'd be the same dude this year. Like, I, I, I appreciate the guy. I like the guy, Mike. And I'm sure that you've dealt with a lot of these guys in the past, guys that you like. But at the same time, there, there has to be a time where guys that you like need to turn into guys who are more productive than they are not productive. And that's why Rocky Seen needs to turn things over now, Mike, in, um, in sooner rather than later to establish and keep his spot as the starting cornerback for the Indianapolis Colts. And again, when you think of all the positions on a football field, cornerback is the one that they're out there. It's not like, well, who messed up that run blocking on that play and who didn't fit right on defense against the run? The corner's out there. He's out there by himself. You know, you know, on the island, like they say. So when he messes up, it, it, it's there for all to see. Uh, and I, I like the maturity that he has. He owns it. We've had guys here that have sort of not really been, been that way. And it, it's encouraging to see him play like this. Let's get to the injury report for this week as the Colts get set to take on the Houston Texans on Sunday afternoon. Quarterback Phillip Rivers did not practice on Wednesday. The team says it's precautionary. He did not practice last Wednesday either. But, Mike, I will point out that just earlier today on Thursday, as we're taping this podcast, Colts guard Quentin Nelson said that Rivers is playing through a real, quote, a really bad problem with his foot. So we saw a couple weeks ago Phillip get that foot injury when he was trying to make that block on the reverse. I'm sure Philip is not completely happy that uh, that this came out, that this is a quote-unquote really bad problem with his foot because he's been downplaying it for a week and a half, two weeks now. But at the same time, you, you have to look at this situation knowing that a, a already not mobile quarterback has a quote really bad problem with his foot and the Colts are taking steps to try to limit his work throughout the week so that he's at his best on Sunday. Yeah, Quentin MD. Uh, it's funny <laughs> how sometimes you don't get a lot of players, and sometimes almost in passing they tell you something. And, and again, what to take out of that? Certainly, because yesterday we talked to Rivers, and he said, "Yeah, I'm just dealing with soreness, and I didn't practice practice yesterday because you want to give the soreness a chance to go away." And he did mention that it got pretty sore during the game. 
So it's something. It's certainly something. Boy, but when your Pro Bowl guard says, yeah, it's really a bad thing with his foot. I I, I mentioned to somebody when, among the media guys when we go back and forth, we're going to find out at the end of the season when they do the old postseason up that this was something. It, it, it was something, you know, more more than just soreness. It'll be, I don't know, whatever. A list frank injury or something like that, yeah. A list frank or a dis- turf toe or something. Because that's how this always works. So, so it, it, it is it is a beneficial that this is not a guy who who makes part of his living buying time in, the, in running five times for thirty yards. But having said that, it, it, it does impact his mechanics. And there were times against uh, Tennessee where he's not really stepping through on throws. So uh, it, 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 it's, a, it's an issue. He did practice today. He didn't practice yesterday. He practiced today to some level. We'll practice tomorrow. And it's obvious that this is going to be something that's going to bother him the rest of the season because all you're going to do is rehab, rehab, practice, practice, play, and then, you know, nothing on Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. It, it's just, when you play on it, you're going to aggravate it, and it's going to be with him for the rest of the season, I would assume. So, so Joe, when when you look at a situation like that, that Rivers is kind of going to be fighting through this, as Mike assumes, and as I would agree for the rest of the season, you would certainly hope that the offensive line in front of him is completely healthy. But that's not the case for the Colts right now, as offensive tackles Anthony Costanzo and Chaz Green missed practice on Wednesday. Costanzo, we expect him to miss a couple weeks with an MCL sprain. Uh, Chaz Green has a back injury. Uh, Good news that center Ryan Kelly practiced in full after missing last Sunday's game. But nevertheless, if you don't have Anthony Costanzo, Joe, you don't have your left tackle. And and as any offensive coordinator will tell you, if you don't have your left tackle, you, you are down a significant piece in, in your attack as you're going into game planning for whoever you're playing in the league. Yeah, and I wish I had a dollar for every time someone, you know, said Anthony Costanzo is the most irreplaceable player on the Colts or top two or three. Well, Mike says it all the time. Yeah, I'd be able to at least go out for a good lunch or something. but um. I mean, there's a reason we keep saying that is because it's true. I think two and eleven without Anthony Costanzo is the uh, stat that we keep harping on, and he's just one of the most underrated, probably un- most underrated players in the NFL. If you ask the average fan to name the best ten left tackles, I doubt a lot of them come up with Anthony Costanzo, but I would argue that he deserves to be in there. And part of the reason he's so irreplaceable is because Raven Clark after him is a Massive drop off, and it's certainly an area whether Costanzo, you know, is back or not that the Colts need to address in the off season. You could almost and, you could yeah. almost say two and eleven and a half, because look what the offense did against the Titans once he went out in the, in the second quarter. I mean, they five punts or an interception. Yes, it wasn't it wasn't all him, but they just can't operate the same without him. They just can't, and they can tap dance all they want around it about how we're will help in all this. So we, we were talking that if you want to really complain and criticize Chris Ballard for anything this year, it would be to, to not have had a better, a more legitimate option at backup tackle than they had. And, you know, I, I like most of what, what the, the rest of the roster is, but backup tackle is an issue when Costanzo's not out there. Mike, I'm trying to remember, did the Colts re-sign LaRaven Clark this offseason, or is he on his last year in a contract? Do you know off the top of your head? I believe that he was a re- – was, was he restricted? I or think maybe? he was. 
Like that's that's what I'm leading toward that they re-signed him for a year or two this past off season. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So, but but again, and they said, well, he had his best training camp and all that, but but it was and then Chaz Green was brought in as a veteran guy, but it's the two the two player two of the players they did not re-sign this year in the offseason was Josh Andrews. Joe Hague went to uh, Tampa to try to be a starter. And, you know, if Joe Haig was here right now, he'd be your starting left tackle. Yep. But, uh, but it's to, to, to not have Costanzo for probably two games, three games, maybe. Uh, but, but, but then to get Kelly back, is going to be huge. Pinter, by all accounts, played pretty well. But Ryan Kelly's, if Costanzo's top 10 left tackle, which I think he is, uh, Kelly's probably top five center. So uh, hopefully getting Kelly back will, will mitigate Costanzo being out. And, and I'll guys, shout out. Go ahead, Joe. Go ahead. Be- before we move on on Costanzo, is, it, it kind of seems like the Colts' plan is to go again with Raven Clark. I know there were some ideas floated out there. Well, well, you can move Braden Smith to left tackle and then Pinter play tackle in college. You can play him at right tackle and all this. But that just means you're moving two positions instead of one. Um, I even saw some quote where they asked about Quentin Nelson at tackle, and they said he could probably do it. But then again, you're taking away your you know all-pro guard from his natural position. So I, I know there's a lot of questions about, well, what if we move someone else out there? But if you're taking away two positions, that's almost worse than just uh, negating one. I'm not moving Quentin Nelson from guard. <laughs> that, that, that's number one right there. Like the the challenge between being a guard and a tackle is, is like is completely different. And that's why I really respect guys like Joe Haig that Mike just brought up saying guys that can play both inside and outside. Um, like you need to, you need a different skill set to play guard and to play tackle. It's like, well, from my perspective, it's, it's a difference between being a reporter and an anchor, you know, in broadcasting. And I know that's not going to be something that, that, that a lot of people who, who are listening to this can completely understand, but like there, there are different skills in terms of being on air, in terms of being a reporter and being an anchor. That's why a guy like Tom Rinaldi is an incredible reporter and a guy like Scott Van Pelt, that just using ESPN as an example, is an incredible anchor. They're, they're different guys. They have different skill sets and they're really, really good at what they do. And, and I and I would not want to move Quentin Nelson from, from his job as a guard outside to tackle. Um, so so from that perspective, I'll just I'll just I'll, I'll end that topic there. But I will say I'll add to that, Mike that I would not be opposed if the Colts offensive line coaching Nick Sirianni as offensive coordinator and Frank Reich as head coach, if they want to move Braden Smith to left tackle and then move Raven Clark over to right tackle, if they think that's a legitimate option, I would not be completely opposed to that. But it depends on what the coaches have seen in practice. It depends on what these players have done in practice and camp. It, it, uh, if they throw that lineup out there, I would not be super surprised. But Mike, if they move Quentin Nelson from guard, I would be I would be floored to be completely honest with you. Yeah, I, I think Quentin Nelson was just one of those what if you know hey it's it's it's, it's something you throw out there anytime you talk about Quentin, it draws attention. Yeah. Uh, but but Braden Smith, one thing that you mentioned though is skill sets and in. Right tackle and left tackle, it is different, and that's why there's some really good right tackles who aren't who can't play left tackle, and that's why Costanzo is is what he is. But 
the problem, like you, like Joe mentioned, then you're messing with two positions. You, you, then you, you've got, maybe you've got, you've upgraded left tackle. I would hope you have upgraded left tackle with Smith, but, but then, then you got issues at right tackle. So, and, and let's keep in mind about Braden Smith. He's a guard. He was a guard. He was a guard in college, and I don't care how much the Colts want to rewrite history and all that stuff. He was moved to tackle because they were out of tackles his rookie year. Everybody was done, uh, and he and he went out there, and, and he's been a pretty doggone good right tackle. He's going to be the right tackle for the next eight or nine years. Uh, I'm with you. I, I I think what they're going to do the Raven, but if they've got Braden Smith at left tackle and in Raven at right tackle. I would I wouldn't go bonkers, but but I I just my my gut says they're going to stick with Braden on the right side because they can put LaRaven over at left and, and they can help him. You'll you'll have a, a, a tight end over there, Jack Doyle or Molly Cox, and you're going to chip. But then too, the more you the more you help your left tackle, the more you're hurting your offense as far as production, as far as getting people out on the route. I'm looking forward. That lineup is on Sunday. Well, my, my last thing I'll say about this is for this particular matchup, the Texans can move JJ Watt wherever they want Correct. to, right side, left yeah. side. They're going to yeah. put Watt on LaRaven Clark no matter yeah. where he is. So it doesn't really matter left or right for this specific matchup because the Texans are going to put their best player on the Colts' weakest. That, that's a fantastic point by Joe, and I'm, we'll get to that in a little bit. And so I'm going to fly through the rest of this injury report because I think we could go like three hours on this, honestly, <laughs> on this Colts Blue Zone podcast because uh, because we, we've gotten like halfway through our rundown. And we're already at 40 minutes. But nevertheless, um, you can follow us online uh, on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone to find more content throughout the week. I'm at Dave G underscore sports. Mike Chappell is at M Chappell 51. Joe Hopkins is at Rotor Street Joe. And if you're jonesing for more content throughout the week, be sure to check us out there because uh, Twitter, I think, is, is our main main avenue to get things out to you. Of course, also, if you're in central Indiana watching Fox 59 and CBS 4 uh, for our sportscast throughout the week. But some more injury reports. Linebacker Bobby Okariku did not practice on Wednesday. He missed Sunday's game against Tennessee. Safety Kari Willis did not practice on Wednesday with back and quad injuries. Um, I mentioned Chaz Green and Anthony Costanzo already, who did not practice on Wednesday. And a couple limited participants from Wednesday, Zach Paschal and Kamoko Ture. Zach with a knee injury, Kamoko with the ankle. Uh, Kamoko only played four snaps on Sunday after playing 10 snaps in his first game back against Green Bay. So that's that's at least a snap count that we sh- I think we should, be, uh, we should be wary of, that we should be looking at. And um, especially since defensive end Danico Autry has been activated off the reserve COVID-19 list. I don't know if Kamoko's going to see all that much action if he goes from 10 to 4, and then all of a sudden you get your sack leader back. Um, we'll see exactly how good Kamoko is to actually play in this game, I think, um, when uh, when we when we get to it, I guess. Um, Mike, I, I've been kind of looking at some uh, some different reporters who've been out of practice today and their, uh, their reports. I don't see any significant um, things to add on to um to the injury report but uh we we can see more on wednesday i don't think carly willis was out of Colts cult practice today but philip rivers was out there um we'll see when it comes to the when the Colts release their release their injury reports today and friday more information obviously as we always do every week but um but to see autry back and uh i think it's good to see rivers back as well even though we we certainly anticipated mike that rivers would be back in this practice on thursday 
Yeah, Bobby Okariki was working with trainers on the side. Uh, what do you, he's got an ankle. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe he's ready. Maybe he's a week away. One thing on Gary Willis, he missed last week. He missed Wednesday, Thursday, and practice on Friday. So I we're into the time of the season now that if you've got something, they're going to really take it easy on you to get you into Sunday. And, and one name we haven't talked about, and I think there's a very good chance, let's say a chance, he's back this week, is DeForest Buckner. He's on the COVID list, and I believe as long as he's asymptomatic, he can come back, I believe, Saturday. And, again, when we talked about indispensable, irreplaceable Colts, Costanzo's one. Uh, if he's not two, he's he's 2A. So uh, to get both he and Danico Autry back for this game, chasing around Deshaun Watson and trying to keep him in the, in the pocket, it would be great to get Buckner back. Joe, based on what we saw last week against the uh, Titans and Derrick Henry's performance, I, I think that, as Mike puts Anthony Costanzo, maybe number one among irreplaceable Colts, uh, DeForest Buckner might be up there now. As Like I said, as we saw what, what the Titans were able to do against the uh, the Colts' run defense. And, I mean, without Buckner and without Autry, to be fair, maybe and without Okariki, but I think Buckner's the guy who's the point of attack here because – we saw Derrick Henry run for four yards before getting touched by the Colts defense way too often last week. And Buckner is a guy on the defensive line who could play a big role in at least getting an initial contact in the backfield, near the line of scrimmage, what have you, to order to, to limit that running attack for whoever you're facing. Yeah, in the span of tr- about three short weeks, we saw the difference with and without divorce Buckner against the Tennessee Titans. And it was pretty big. I mean, Derrick Henry still had 100 yards in the first matchup, but no touchdowns, you know, no big runs, and he just absolutely destroyed the Colts in the second. And I think that just kind of goes to show Buckner's stats. I mean, they're very good, but they don't age more that isn't registered on the stat sheet that is invaluable to this Colts defense. And quickly into the Titans, I mean, not Titans, the Texans uh, rush uh, injury report for this week. Running back David Johnson has been designated to return from injured reserve, which is good news for them. He's missed three games with a concussion, so he'll be returning to practice. And that starts the uh, 21-day return to game window, uh, 21-day practice window for a return from injured reserve. And if it's just a concussion... Boy, if you have three weeks to return, you would hope that the player is able to return right away. So I would not be surprised if David Johnson's able to return for this game. Also, running back C.J. Proceis did not practice with an illness. Defensive tackle Ross Blacklock on Wednesday did not practice with an illness. Uh, defensive back Lonnie Johnson limited with a foot injury. Punter Brian Anger limited with a quad injury. And we'll keep you updated online with injuries. You can follow us all on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone to see what the Colts and the Texans injury reports have to say leading up to kickoff on Sunday. And on kickoff, it'll be the 7-4 and four Colts taking on the 4-7 and seven Texans. As I mentioned, Houston's won three of their last four. So, like, if you are if you take a step back, you're like, boy, this is a bad time to play the Texans because it seems like they're really, they're really coming into their own. But as we mentioned earlier, it might be a good time to play the Texans because Will Fuller's out and uh, Bradley Roby's out with an injury. Those are two very important players to what they're trying to do. And, Mike, I'll, I'll, I'll throw this to you. I mean, Houston, their seven losses have come against good teams. Kansas City, Baltimore, the Colts lost to them. Pittsburgh, no one's lost to them. Minnesota, who's played really well recently. Tennessee, the Colts lost to them. Green Bay, which was a great 
match up with the Colts. Cleveland, the Colts. So bad losses, even though Houston's four and seven, you can't really blame them, quote unquote, blame them for their seven losses. They're not maybe in that upper tier. But nevertheless, you can't say that Houston is a quote unquote bad team with this four and seven record. This is going to be a tough matchup, I'm sure. Yeah, it's it's. You kind of look at opponents, and this year in the NFL, it's really kind of weird because there's some really bad teams. Yeah. And Houston has beaten Jacksonville twice. In the last two, they've beaten New England. Sort of, you know, you don't know where they're going. And then this past week, they, they beat they beat Detroit. A complete mess. On one hand, again, you're right. that they, they, They've lost a really good team, but they've really not beaten anybody. Uh, so it's hard to get a gauge, but as long as you've got Deshaun Watson, holy smoke, he's the wild card. And in, in, in those those handful of quarterbacks, you know, we all know who they are, the, the Mahomes and the Rodgers and, and, and on and on. And, and Watson, they can win games. They it, It's funny, we talked to Darius Leonard today, and he said he's a guy that you really don't try to strip sack because you, you go for the ball, then you lose him. So the object is to get get his butt on the ground, and that's tougher to do than just saying so. So th- this is when you've got the quarterback like this, he makes other players better. He just does. Joe, uh, miss forward. Yeah. You know, yes, they 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 missed DeAndre Hopkins. A tough, tough t- task for Joe. I'll, I'll, I'll throw this to you saying that even though the offensive line has improved from years past, it's not great. They're 28 sacks, they're 10th most in the NFL. So you can get to Watson, but even at the same time, Joe Watson's completed nearly 69% of his passes. Uh, he has 25 touchdowns to only five interceptions. And I think only two of those interceptions have come like after week three. So a couple of those came in like week one and week two his 112 quarterback rating is only behind Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes this season. Even though the Texans have a four and four and seven record, like I said, Joe, you cannot sleep on Deshaun Watson coming into this game and having having a really good performance. No, if his team had a better record, I think he would be talked about a lot more in the MVP conversation because you could argue he's having just as good a season as you know Mahomes and Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. He's right with those guys with maybe half the weapons that they have. Um, so Deshaun Watson's probably the fourth best quarterback in the NFL behind this three that I just mentioned. And he's a guy who can literally carry your team uh, to a victory. And the Colts have to be worried about that this Sunday because besides Watson, there's not a whole lot else to worry about anymore with Fuller gone. But Watson's enough to win the game on his own. Absolutely. As he has been in years past against the Colts. I mean, you've got to bring him down. And that is what Mike said, seeing that, um, like, what Darius Leonard said about Watson. Like, you can't necessarily just go for the strip sack and the big play. And that's something like that. That's that's a quote that that really rings true to me, because he's always Darius is always talking about the big, big play. Defense has to make the big play in order to to win these games. If, he, if he's saying like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, like you just got to bring him down because it's Deshaun Watson back there. That's that just sticks out to me as something that's it's different than the norm. It's different than what he usually says. So Deshaun Watson is is a different quarterback than the Colts usually face. And his weapons, to be honest, this year are depleted. Wide receiver Will Fuller suspended. 
He's 11th in the NFL in receiving yards, 6th in the NFL in total touchdowns with 8. Their other wide receiver, Randall Cobb, is on injured reserve. He's going to miss at least two more games. And Joe, as you mentioned earlier, Houston waived wide receiver Kenny Stills last week. So, I mean, geez, if they knew that Fuller was going to be suspended, which obviously you don't, but if you know he's going to be suspended, maybe you keep Kenny Stills just so you have a guy who knows the offense on your roster for the future. Their wide receivers right now are Brandon Cooks, Kiki Kuti, and fifth-round pick Isaiah Coulter. So they, they, they have a depleted wide receiver core, but nevertheless, if – if Watson's able to escape pressure and still look down the field, it doesn't matter which wide receivers you have. If you have NFL wide receivers, they're going to be able to get open after four or five seconds. So the 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 Colts defensive line, Joe, is really going to be going to have to be is going to be under the microscope in this game. If you can get pressure and if you can get him down and not let him escape, that'll really go far in terms of being able to limit the Texans offense. Right. Yeah, you talk about Leonard in the big play against Watson. Just getting him down is a big play because he's so good at escaping. Not only is he fast, but he's extremely strong. Um, you know, you just think of, we've probably all seen the play a hundred times for the commercial, but the one where he shrugs off the Raiders tackle, I think from last season and throws a touchdown to Darren Fells, a tight end, a position he's going to have to rely on a lot more than in the past uh fells and you know if, you, if you're playing fantasy and you need to tie in this week darren fells is not a bad choice because of how depleted the texans are at wide receiver and this isn't something we've seen a ton for them throughout the season but i think they're gonna have to rely on throwing to the running backs a little more as well duke johnson and david johnson are two of the better receiving running backs in the nfl we saw duke johnson catch a receiving touchdown you know kind of streaming down the sideline against the Lions on Thanksgiving Day. So the Texans are going to have to get creative in how they manage their passing offense because they don't have the weapons to just sit down and rely on their wide receivers like they have in the past. And the Texans running game isn't giving Watson any help. They average 83.9 yards per game. Their yards per carry is only 3.8. They have the third fewest rush attempts in the league. Um, so 24.4 points per game is right in the middle of the league. They're doing that with the passing game for sure. It's hard to get to the running game when you're trailing, to be honest, and the Texans have seven losses this year. Um, but nevertheless, that, that run game has not been doing a whole lot. And when you don't have David Johnson as your running back that you traded for in the offseason uh, for the last couple games with his concussion, uh, that doesn't help, to be fair to them. But that that running game hasn't been good. Their defense has also not been good. They're allowing the third most points in the league, uh, third most yards in the league, rather averaging more than 409 yards. They're allowing the 10th most points in the league, 27 points per game. They've been really vulnerable against the run. They have the second most rushing yards allowed with nearly 155 yards per game. They have the most rushing yards per carry allowed, nearly five yards per carry. They've also given up 15 rushing touchdowns, the fifth most in the league. Their passing defense isn't anything that's impressive either, but their run defense has certainly been worse. Their top cornerbacks, we've already mentioned Bradley Broby's out. Also, Garyon Conley is on injured reserve, so their top cornerbacks are out right now. That, that's a vulnerable Texans defense that we have not seen in the past. And we'll, as we get to our keys of the game, our Mike Chap will drop from the call. So, Joe, it's just you and me to, to talk about these keys of the game. Start fast would be great. The Colts did not start fast against Green Bay. They were able to come back for the win there. They did not start fast against Tennessee. They could not come back for the win there. And you got to contain Deshaun Watson because the Texans don't have much else than him. Joe, if the defense gets back into the backfield, you need to be able to take down Watson, take him down immediately so he doesn't get that second and third chance, whatever it might be, to look down the field. 
Yeah, he's most dangerous, and especially without Will Fuller there, he's most dangerous getting outside of the pocket and just kind of improvising, making something happen, either him taking off or running on his own, or him finding somebody down the field as the coverage starts to break down. So try and limit Watson, make him a pocket passer. Of course, he's going to get his own because he's just that good of a player, but you got to keep him from doing his thing out there like he did against the Lions on Thanksgiving. On the offensive side of the ball for the Colts, hey, it'd be great to get something going on the ground since the Texans are really, honestly, they are bad against defending the run for sure. Um, It's good to get Jonathan Taylor back from uh, the COVID-19 list this week. Continue to give him the ball. Get uh, Naheem Hines the ball in space. That's worked really well in the past. Also, protect Phillip Rivers. Anthony Costanzo is out. I mean, what are you going to do at left tackle? We will see. And, Joe, as you point out, J.J. Watt can be on either side of the defensive line. It's suffice to say, I doubt he's going to go up against um, against Braden Smith too much this week. I would be uh, very surprised if he does. Put him on the Raven Clark whoever, or whoever is playing the opposite tackle, uh, and we'll see what he can do. Bounce back week for Michael Pittman Jr. would be great. He had two catches for 28 yards. That was it against Tennessee. Had nine targets, too. Two catches on nine targets is not that great. He had been an impact player the past couple weeks. And when you're also looking at the wide receivers, Joe, as I mentioned earlier in this podcast, T.Y. Hilton has had a career against the Houston Texans. So can T.Y. Hilton rekindle fires of old? Um, that that passing attack, whether it's protect Rivers, get Michael Pittman Jr. and T.Y. Hilton the ball, let's see what the Colts can do on offense there to give their uh, offense a little bit more firepower. Yeah, you certainly want to see a passing attack get it going against a Defense, other than, you know, they got J.J. Watt, they got Whitney Merciless, who is a solid uh, pass rusher at the outside linebacker position. Other than that, they don't have a whole lot to write home about, especially in the secondary. So the secondary is very exploitable. I think more than that, though, like you said, they need to get the ball, the the run game going a little bit against that horrendous Texans run defense. Kind of take some of the pressure off of Rivers and his injured foot. Take some of the pressure off of Raven Clark from having to pass block four rivers blindside 40 times a game. We've talked about all season 40 is kind of that magic number of rivers pass attempts is under 40. It's good news for the Colts. Um, feed Jonathan Taylor, give him the ball 15 times. You know, I get right the hot hand and you can do that while still giving Taylor his touches too. I'm not saying Taylor needs 30 of them, but I think he deserves at least 15, especially after what we saw him do in the second half against the green Bay Packers. You certainly want to limit the quote-unquote bonehead play battle as well. You give Deshaun Watson an extra chance to opportunities, you're just you're you're flirting with danger because he doesn't make too many too many mistakes. Only five interceptions on the year, and like I mentioned, I think only two or three of them have come since week three. So he, he's he's doing a really good job protecting the football. And the more opportunities you give, the third most high rate, highest rated passer in the NFL, the worse it's going to be for you. So game predictions for this week. FanDuel has the Colts at three-and-a-half-point favorites in this game over their AFC South rival Houston Texans. The over-under is at 50-and-a-half. Mike gave us a message that he has the Colts at 24-21 to over the Houston Texans, so uh, a little bit under the over-under, but nevertheless uh, has the Colts right around there at that three-and-a-half-point favorite. Listen, here's my prediction. The Colts... If I'm looking, uh, this is this is a stat. I don't know exactly what the stat is for the regular season, so I'll just quote a stat from our friends at the Lockdown Colts podcast. 
They say the Colts are just 2-13 and 13 all time when Anthony Costanzo either does not play or does not finish a game. That is not good, 2-13. and 13. If the Colts don't have Anthony Costanzo or are completely corollary unrelated, if they don't have T.Y. Hilton, it's hard for me to tell you the Colts are going to win because those numbers have been disastrous over the years. Since 2011, since 2012, whenever AC and whenever T.Y. came into the league. So, I'm going to say the Texans pull this one out. I think 27 to 24 is uh, my Texans prediction that the the Colts fall this week. It's going to be a disappointing loss if indeed that's the case, because, I mean, the Colts obviously were just on the top of the AFC South uh, last week. The Titans beat them last week. This is a really tough, I think this is a tougher game than people were going to give them credit for just because of the absence of Anthony Costanzo. Um, and we'll see if uh, that injury to Phillip Rivers is all it's cracked up to be. But that, that's my pick. Joe, what do you have to say? Um, you know, the, the Costanzo being gone is a huge blow. Also, not knowing if Buckner's back or not is a huge question mark as well. I'm going to go with the Colts because overall, even without Costanzo, I think they are an overall better team than the Houston Texans. Um, I'm going 30 to 24 Indianapolis. Uh, I think there's going to be a few drives that stall and uh, Blankenship's going to have to hit a field goal. But I, other than Deshaun Watson, J.J. Watt, the Texans just don't have a whole lot. I, I completely agree with you. But like and here's where I'm just going to explain my reasoning. Like J.J. Watt is a guy that he can fail on 50 plays, but if he's successful on three of them, he can be a complete game changer, complete game changer. And if J.J. Watt is going against the Raven Clark or Chaz Green, if he's healthy, boy, I think that he's going to make one or two game changing plays here. And so that's what the Colts, they, they have to avoid. You have to keep a tight end to help the Raven Clark against J.J. Watt. You have to keep a running back to help against J.J. Watt. You cannot let the Raven Clark do 40 snaps against him, Joe, one-on-one, because that is going to be a recipe for disaster. Yeah, so I think part of the game plan needs to be quick passes, getting the ball out of Philip Rivers' hands pretty quickly. And he's usually pretty good about that regardless. But some of these quick screens to Hines, um, they've used Michael Pittman Jr. in that role from time to time. Um, some of these wide receiver runs, they've used Pascal and Pittman Jr. to try and do that. I don't think you can just drop back take five-step drops all game long and expect everything to hold up around you. They need to get uh, a little creative here with how they run the offense and try and protect Rivers maybe than they felt like they've needed to the past several weeks. And you can follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone to get injury updates and other updates leading up to kickoff on Sunday afternoon. I am at Dave G underscore sports on Twitter. Joe Hopkins is at Rotor Street Joe. And Mike Chappell is at M Chappell. 51. We do thank you for listening to the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Please subscribe and get us delivered to your podcast listening device week after week. We will see you next time on the Colts Blue Zone.